the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Arkansas, you're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. I am your guest host this morning. My name is David Ray, and uh, Dave Ellswick called me earlier, uh, actually last week, and asked me to fill in for him. Dave had to be out of the office this morning, so I gladly agreed. I told him uh, when he asked me to do it that I would try not to wreck the Corvette. Uh, if he gave me the keys for one morning. So uh, we'll endeavor to do that here this morning. I will be with you um, for the next couple of hours here on 101.1 The Answer. Um, We've got a great show lined up for you this morning, and uh, I'll give you a rundown of what we're going to be doing. So at 6.35 this morning, we're going to be talking to Ryan Norris. He is the State Director of Americans for Prosperity Arkansas. And uh, Ryan and I are going to be chatting about issue one. That's the half-cent sales tax issue that's going to be on the ballot this November. Um, It's a big issue. doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And Ryan and I are going to cover that issue pretty thoroughly. Um, So so hopefully you'll get all your questions answered. You know, if you want to be a part of the conversation this morning, just give us a call. The call-in number for the Dave Ellswick Show is 501 823 0965. That number again, 501 823 0965. Then coming up at 705, I'm very excited about this. We're going to be talking with Congressman French Hill. Um, as all of you know, Congressman Hill has represented us in Washington for the last couple of terms uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives. And um, we're going to be talking to him about a number of issues. We'll talk to him about uh, his campaign for Congress against State Senator Joyce Elliott. Um, If you uh, have a television, or in case you've been living under a rock for the last several months, you know that uh, there's a lot of ads flying back and forth in that race for Congress. And so we're going to get, we're going to hear straight from Congressman Hill. We're going to ask him uh, some questions about issues that are important to you. We're going to talk to him about taxes. Uh, We'll probably talk to him about coronavirus and where things are at with that, uh, and several more issues. So you won't want to miss 705. We're talking to Congressman French Hill. That'll be in just a little bit less than an hour. And then at 730, we're going to be talking with the uh, House Majority Leader for the state of Arkansas, Austin McCollum. He's a state representative from the uh, Bentonville area, Bella Vista, that area up there. And uh, we're going to talk to him about what he hopes to accomplish as Majority Leader for the in the uh, state legislature. He was uh, recently elected state, uh, or excuse me, uh, majority leader for the uh, Republican caucus in in the legislature. Uh, We're going to talk to him about the uh, Arkansas First Agenda, which he has rolled out. Um, A lot of 
good policy ideas and proposals in there to discuss. And we'll talk to him and get uh, kind of a preview of some of the big legislative elections uh, going on around the state that uh, we'll be wrapping up here in uh, less than two weeks now. We are before election. So just as a reminder, uh, early voting is open here in Arkansas now. So if you haven't voted yet, please make a plan to vote. Please make uh, a plan to get to the polls and, um, you know, maybe bring a friend with you. That wouldn't be so bad if we got more people involved in the process, especially people who share your values. Um, so here's what I want to do this morning before we uh, get too much further in. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background about myself. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I've, uh, I've filled in for Dave a time or two before. Um, been a long time, occasional guest of the show. Wouldn't, wouldn't consider myself a regular guest, but from time to time I'll come on the show. Uh, so I, I am, uh, I'm actually a candidate for office myself. I'm the Republican nominee for state representative in District 40. District 40 uh, includes portions of both northern Pulaski County and southern Faulkner County. So if, uh, if you live in the northern part of uh, Pulaski County, if you're in the southern part of Faulkner County, if you're in the city of Mayflower, if you, uh, like me, live in the, on the northern end of Maumelle, you're probably in District 40. And so um, I had a Republican primary opponent back in March, um, and but I'm unopposed in the general election. So that's why I'm here with you on the radio today and not out campaigning or holding a sign at a polling location. Um, I'm also the chief of staff to uh, the lieutenant governor, Tim Griffin, and uh, have previously uh, ran the uh, Arkansas chapter of Americans for Prosperity, was uh, communications director for Senator Tom Cotton, and... I uh, held a number of uh, posts similar to that. So um, that's a little bit about my background. If you want to know more about me, uh, if you don't, that's okay. But if you do, you can go to my website, rayforarkansas.com, and uh, learn a little bit more about me there. But if you want to be a part of the conversation this morning, our number is 501 um, I do want to talk about a couple of news items that have been um, in the news this week. Um, you know, this is a story from Fox News that came out Monday. Um, you know, we'll go ahead and get this out of the way because this is sort of a sad story. Um, you know, if you're a listener of, of this station or of conservative talk radio, you probably have, are, are already aware that uh, Rush Limbaugh, um, legend giant of talk radio, um, he, is, uh, he has been stricken with cancer and uh, I believe it's lung cancer that he's dealing with. And, you know, uh, Rush came on his show on Monday and gave his listeners an update. Um, you know, he doesn't have to do that, be that transparent with his, with his own personal health information, but uh, gave, gave listeners an update and um, said that the, the most recent scans showed some progression of cancer, which he said is not dramatic, but still a step in the wrong direction. So, you know, I just wanted to mention that because, um, you know, we should all we should all say a prayer for Rush. And um, there's a lot of people around this country who um, he is motivated to get involved in with politics. I I have enjoyed listening to Rush's show over the years. I've read actually a long time ago. um, I read both of the books he's written. Um, Honestly, as good as he is on radio, that's an area where I think he's been 
long time underrated is his writing and the books that he's put out. Um, a couple of years back, I read Zeph Chaffetz's book about Rush. I believe it was called Army of One. And uh, it really is a good profile of a guy who has led, left a, an indelible, indelible mark on the political scene in our country and somebody who really uh, revolutionized and transformed uh, talk radio. Uh, I'm going to read you just a quick section of this story from Fox News. Uh, Rush said, quote, It's tough to realize that the days where I do not think I'm under a death sentence are over. Quote, Now, uh, now we all are is the point. We all know that we're going to die at some point, but when you have a terminal disease diagnosis that has a time frame on it, then that puts a different psychological and even physical awareness to it. So, uh, Rush, you are in our thoughts and prayers. Um, just wanted to share that with you folks in case we missed that. Um, moving to uh, some poll numbers, I want to talk about a couple of poll numbers that were in the news. This story um, I caught my eye scanning Twitter the other day, and uh, there's a new poll out that shows voters favor confirming Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, and uh, also importantly finds that voters are extremely opposed to uh, the, the Senate Democrats' court packing scheme. Uh, that is what a new poll from Gallup shows. The poll released Tuesday morning revealed 51% of participants in the poll said they favor President Trump's latest nominee joining the high court compared to 46% who are opposed. Um, now, that's significant because uh, Judge, uh, Judge Barrett's 51% approval is higher than both of President Trump's previous nominees. Uh, you'll probably remember Judge Neil Gorsuch. He received support in 45% from Gallup's poll, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh garnered 41%. So, um, and look, this is not uh, surprising. Folks who have watched the confirmation process of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, um, they probably understand that she's extremely well qualified. Uh, she has impeccable academic and legal credentials. Um, her, by all accounts, her character is sterling. Um, she's highly rated by her peers, even people who disagree with her judicial philosophy, attest that she is fair and impartial. And uh, if you've heard her answer these questions, she has taken um, the slings and arrows from Senate Democrats who are grilling her, and uh, they haven't laid a glove on her. I mean, she, it is, it is, it is uh, readily apparent that she's incredibly brilliant. And um, if you've not watched the, the videos, just go to YouTube. You can find them of her defense of originalism and her explanation of originalism. Uh, as a, as her guiding judicial philosophy, she has said that she would be a justice in the mold of uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, uh, a titan of the law, whom she clerked for when she um, clerked on the for the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, and uh, you know, I was listening on the ride in to the Hugh Hewitt show here on one hundred one point one FM, The Answer. Uh, look, if you're up that early in the morning listening to Hugh Hewitt. Um, I just got to tell you, I'm not used to being up this early, Heidi, okay? I was driving in. Uh, when Dave asked me to do this, uh, you know, 6 o'clock doesn't sound that early. But then I realized, oh, gosh, I'm backing this up. You know, I've got to – what time do I have to get up in time to be down here at 6 a.m.? Uh, and so I realized, you know, driving in, I was like, I'm going to go through McDonald's and grab a biscuit. 
McDonald's wasn't even open. Okay, that's when you know it's early. When McDonald's breakfast is not yet available, uh, that's when you know that it's uh, it's a little bit too early in the morning. But um, I've got a Red Bull here. I'm going to keep on going. Um, the other part of this story from uh, Fox News about the Amy Coney Barrett nomination, um, I, oh, I lost my train of thought. So I was listening to Hugh Hewitt on the drive-in, and Hugh was saying that by this time next week, he's expecting uh, – the, the confirmation vote on Judge Amy Coney Barrett, hopefully soon to be Justice Amy Coney Barrett. And um, look, Hugh's got a pretty good read on these things. Uh, he, he talks to a lot of people in the know. So if Hugh Hewitt is saying that um, they're expecting a conf- confirmation vote next week, uh, I don't have any reason to doubt that. And um, so we'll, we'll be moving forward. Look, um, Mitch McConnell he is batting a thousand on these Supreme Court nominations. Um, you know, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, uh, Judge Barrett. I think he deserves uh, tremendous, uh, tremendous credit for how he has guided these nomination processes, and especially the Kavanaugh one was was incredibly contentious because you had these these wild allegations uh, that were coming forward. Um, uh, some of them, in fact, just not even not even credible at all. Um, and he stayed the course and stood by the nominee. So um, kudos to uh, Majority Leader McConnell for that. Uh, the other part that I want to get to real quickly before the break here is uh, the part of the poll that said that voters opposed court packing. Um, that was, you know, that that's, and I'm looking for the numbers here. Um, I can't find them, but they were they were very lopsided against the the Democrats' idea to expand the number of seats on the Supreme Court. So that is good news as well. So what we're going to do is uh, we'll go to a break, and then when we come back from the break, I'm going to go over some polling numbers uh, from here in Arkansas. You know, we don't get a whole lot of polling numbers in Arkansas about our elections. We did get some this week with uh, the Talk Business Hendricks College poll. So we're going to cover those poll numbers. Um, and then at 635 here in uh, just a not too far away. We're going to be talking with Ryan Norris. He's the state director of Americans for Prosperity, Arkansas. We're going to be talking to him about issue one, the tax increase on the ballot in November. And then don't forget, at 7.05, we're going to be talking to Congressman French Hill. So you won't want to miss that segment. It's going to be good. Uh, let's take a commercial break. You're listening to The Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Good morning, Arkansas. Welcome back to The Dave Ellswick Show. I'm your guest host, David Ray, filling in for the legend Dave Ellswick here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. You know, I, people throw that word legend around a lot. Dave really is an Arkansas talk and really an American talk legend. Dave Dave has been on the radio here in, just here in Arkansas for more than 20 years, I believe, um, since since about the, the, uh, the about the turn of the of the of the century. And um, before that, Dave was on the radio in Indiana, I think. Um, he's, he's been on a lot of different places um, over four decades in talk radio. Look, that's, a, that's, a, that's an outstanding career um, in, in any field. But to do that in talk radio, um, great accomplishment by him. So I feel very privileged and honored to sit in for him this morning. Um, we're going to get to a, a little bit more news. And then at 635, we're going to be talking to... 
We're going to be talking to um, State Director of AFP, Americans for Prosperity Arkansas. That's Ryan Norris. We're going to be talking about issue one. Uh, I want to bring to your attention a story that was in the Democrat Gazette a few days ago by Frank Lockwood. The headline, Congressional Hopeful Elliot Pays Disputed New York Taxes. Um, this is relevant because we're going to be talking to uh, your congressman, French Hill, at 705. Um, the article says State Senator Joyce Elliott, the Democrat candidate for Congress in Arkansas's 2nd Congressional District, that's you, Central Arkansas, uh, paid delinquent taxes, New York taxes, last month after resisting payment for more than a decade. Uh, in an interview, the Little Rock lawmaker said she decided to settle the matter after disputing the taxes for years. A tax warrant of $9,234.32 dating back to September 2011 and another for $349.87 dating back to March 2018 were satisfied September 9th. And um, the quote from Joyce Elliott here, we had a dispute about that particular tax. She said, we fought about it and fought about it and we're not coming to any kind of resolution. This has been going on four or five months ago. I realized, okay, I'm not winning this. Ultimately, she decided to pay. Now, uh, the National Republican Congressional Committee, they uh, pointed out the obvious, which is that Senator Elliott has consistently supported higher taxes on Arkansas families, but can't be bothered to pay her own tax bill. Seems like that might be a problem for voters uh, coming up here in about two weeks. Ask about the Republican criticism. Elliot said, quote, I'm sure that they are raising attention to try to degrade me in some fashion. Although I would add, it sounds like uh, Senator Elliott's done more to degrade her own standing there than anything that the NRCC pointed out. So uh, maybe we'll mention that to Congressman Hill and get his reaction here coming up at uh, 7.05. Got just a couple of minutes before the break. I want to hit on some poll numbers. Okay, we don't get poll numbers very often in Arkansas, but we do have some new numbers from uh, Talk Business College, uh, sorry, Talk Business and Hendricks College survey of 647 likely statewide voters. We got numbers on the presidential race, okay? Uh, Donald Trump came in at 58%, and Joe Biden came in at 33.5%. So no big surprise there. Uh, Trump's obviously going to carry the state of Arkansas and our six electoral votes. Uh, it does show the president down just a little bit from his 2016 standing. That uh, He won Arkansas with 60.6%. Uh, Biden right on track to match Hillary Clinton's performance here in Arkansas, 33.7%. So um, not a lot of difference there. They did also poll the U.S. Senate race. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton, who is up for re-election this year, he came in at 62.5%, doing well there with a strong showing north of 60%. You know, in this political climate, anything north of 60 is strong. His opponent, uh, this libertarian guy that's running against him, 27.5%, not doing so well. Um, I believe the poll showed uh, Senator Cotton with 97% of Republican support. Pretty strong numbers there for Senator Tom Cotton. And then in the congressional race, uh, showed uh, a very close race between French Hill and Joyce Elliott. The numbers for Congressman Hill, 46% to Joyce Elliott's 45.5. So very close race there. Joyce Elliott uh, obviously been endorsed by Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Barack Obama. She's raising a ton of cash. Uh, so we're going to go to uh, commercial break here, and then on the other side, we're going to get into uh, issue one. That's the half-cent sales tax coming up on the ballot here in just under two weeks. 
Um, call in number 501-823-0965. We're going to take a commercial break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Good morning, Arkansas. Welcome back to the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. I am your guest host, David Ray, filling in for Dave Ellswick. Uh, So this half hour, we're going to be talking to uh, the state director of Americans for Prosperity Arkansas, Ryan Norris. Uh, We're going to be talking about issue one, and uh, I believe we've got Ryan on the line with us. Ryan, are you there? Good morning, David. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Um, So what I want to do before I turn it over to you with some questions is I want to just, for voters who may not have been following along, uh, may not know exactly what issue one is, I want to set the table. Uh, In 2012, the legislature, the Arkansas legislature, referred to voters a constitutional amendment. It was passed. That amendment was a temporary half-cent sales tax that would last for 10 years and it would fund highway and infrastructure spending here in Arkansas. And after 10 years, that tax would expire. This is a tax that raises approximately $300 million each and every year. Uh, Fast forward uh, eight years later, it is back on the ballot. Um, Why, do you ask? Because uh, the legislature has decided they want to try and make it permanent, but they need voters' approval. So that is issue one that will be on the ballot. Um, Ryan, for the audience here uh, on Dave's show, they're probably familiar with Americans for Prosperity. Uh, You're a free market, limited government group, and uh, you're heading up the opposition to Issue 1. Why, in your view, should Arkansans uh, vote no on Issue 1? Well, there are multiple reasons to to kind of hit the highlights of it. First off is that uh, Arkansas already has high taxes, particularly in the area of sales taxes second highest combined state and local sales taxes in the nation. This is on top of personal property taxes, property taxes, uh, other excise taxes, uh, income, state income taxes. Uh, we are a highly taxed state in every which way that you can term. So taxes are, are a top tier reason. Uh, the next would be that, you know, the Constitution is no place to put a uh, day-to-day uh tax policy. And so, again, we, we think that that's an area that we is worthy to uh, to vote down issue one. The next is that where this money goes uh, to the Arkansas Department of Transportation largely, uh, and then, of course, to cities and counties as well. But RDOT is currently under audit, uh, an audit that was voted upon and agreed to by our legislature because they recognized that your tax dollars were not being spent efficiently enough uh, by the Arkansas Department of Transportation. So there's uh, an audit going on with RDOT right now. So why should, why would we give additional money to Arkansas Department of Transportation with uh, the current audit going on, reforms that are currently being uh, suggested and have not been implemented yet? So the dollar you spend or the dollar that we send to RDOT is not being maximized to take care of our infrastructure needs. Right. On top of that, the, go, oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, on top of that, just two other little things real quick is that, uh, you know, it was originally sent to us in 2012, uh, David, as you know, uh, as a temporary tax. In fact, the uh, one of the primary sponsors of the legislation that became uh, this this tax in Amendment 91, uh, Rep- former Representative Barnett, is out there currently saying he's voting no on issue one because he's trying to keep government's promise that was originally made in 2012. And that's very admirable because that's what we want, accountability in government. And finally, we have time for a better plan. This tax expires in 2023. So 
we still have two years roughly to come up with a, a better plan. We have the 2021 session and then again a uh, 2022 general election uh, if we were to have a referred amendment. All good points there. Um, you, you touched on this, Ryan, but why, why are we putting this in our state constitution? Well, so if you hear the, uh, the talking point, it's that, well, it's an amendment in the Constitution, and we, therefore we wanted to send this to the people. Uh, and really what it's about is uh, Amendment 91 would have expired in 2023, and there was no need to necessarily go back into the Constitution over it. But if you were a Republican-led uh, uh, administration and, and had the majorities, and you were to say, okay, we need this fund, so let's say we do, and you were to say, we're going to vote through the legislature for a increase of a half cent sales tax should, uh, you know, if as soon as issue as Amendment 91 is uh, expired, that just wouldn't play well politically. And, you know, if I've actually talked to Republican committees, I said, if your rep voted for a half cent sales tax increase when one had just fallen off, would you feel in, you know, how would that make you feel? And they would say, of course, a little more negatively towards them because Republicans are supposed to be the fiscal conservatives, uh, low on tax. Yeah, I, I, get, I get the impression that this was kicked to the voters because because this could have been passed by statute. They don't ha- they did mm-hmm. not have to do that. The legislature could have passed this as a statute. They did not have to try and amend the Constitution. It feels like they did this just as a way to kick the can down the road. Uh, we do have a caller on the line, Ryan. So I want to get uh, this. I want to get a question in. Uh, we got Carol yeah. in Roland. She is on the line. Carol, are you with us? Yes, I am. Yeah, and Carol, what's your comment? Kudos, kudos to your guest. I'm, I agree with uh, him 100%. We should not be codifying taxes in our Constitution. And this rhino governor, um, I don't trust him further than I can throw my house. And um, that's saying a lot. Uh, He really is a Democrat and put on the Republican mantle, but uh, he's been for every liberal thing there ever was and very deceptive about a lot of things he did uh, as a governor and the people don't know, really. But um, I was there when um, Hillary was there as Mrs. Governor, and um, she uh, is the one who endorsed... um, Joyce Elliott to run in the first place for uh, the House seat that she had first. And then um, she's been with her all the way up to when she was running for president. She was on the stage the night Hillary had the seizure with her head shaking violently back and forth. And she was standing right next to her. So anybody that believes that she will not endorse every tax, every liberal uh, thing that the Democrat Party endorses, uh, abortion on demand uh, up to the final month and harvesting their little organs alive. Um, Taxes, yes, she will raise your taxes, because if anybody thinks he would go against Joyce, uh, against uh, Nancy Pelosi, they're kidding themselves. No, thank you. Thank you, Caroline. She she has accused French Hill of raising all this out of state yep. money. And we're going to get to that. Yeah, we're going to get to that, Carol, raising. in the next segment. We're uh, we're going to be talking with French Hill at 7.05. Thank you for that those comments, Carol. Um, I will say I have tremendous respect for Governor Hutchinson. Don't agree with him on this particular issue, but um, he's a good man, and he's doing his best to lead our state in challenging times. Ryan, I want to get back to issue one here. Um, what do you say to people who say, look, I don't like, I don't like taxes as much as the next person? Um, 
but we need good roads, so I guess we just got to stomach this thing. What, what do you say to those folks? Well, first off, if you look at uh, the total operation budgets for the last, uh, you know, well, since since 2012, uh, RDOT's receiving more money than they ever have. Last year was $2.6 billion. I think in the last five years, their average has been $2.4 billion. Uh, the issue that I see, and this has come out by the Guidehouse report, the auditors, that uh, the priorities for RDOT have not been maintenance uh, of our roads and bridges, but has been these new constructions, large, new, expensive constructions. And the people care more about the maintenance of their potholes and their bridges in their local areas than they do these big construction projects. And RDOT has only been budgeting $190 million per year, and that's been flat for quite a while for 16,400 miles of road, David. So that's not very much, but that's less than 10% of that total operations budget. So I think that we can have good roads with changing up the priority of the funds we, we use on maintenance. We need to increase that amount. I would agree to that. I also think that there's some reforms in turnback fees that could be helpful to make sure that the, the money going uh, to roads to counties and cities are being used on roads. Um, additional to that, uh, RDOT has uh, been receiving about $180 million more annually since 2016 with the Highway Improvement Act and then Act 416 of last year. Uh, so they're, they're getting money. It's just about really a prioritization and then the efficiency. Guidehouse has found between 21 to $35 million worth of cost efficiencies in their just initial report that's, that could be easily changed up uh, by RDOT. Uh, so that they improve their efficiency of operation. So money is there, and you even have a uh, the Arkansas Good Roads magazine of uh, the summer of 2019. You even had Governor Hutchinson, there's a quote in there to where he says, uh, if issue one fails, at least we've passed the 95 additional million from Act 416, and so we're going to be okay. So there's, again, time for a better, better options. There's money out there. Our, uh, our revenues have been at uh, at historical record collections. We've been receiving uh, year over year. We're we're gaining more yeah, revenue. It in seems like we revenue. have it seems like we have surpluses every year. And then you yeah, know, the hundred million dollar increase in in motor fuel taxes last year, and then they're asking us to approve uh, a three hundred million dollar permanent tax this year. Um, yeah, you'd certainly like to see some reforms first. We are going to go to a quick commercial break because uh, it's 645, and then we'll come back with a little bit more Ryan Norris talking some more about Issue 1 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Welcome back, Central Arkansas, to the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. I'm your guest host, David Ray, filling in for Dave Ellswick. And uh, we're going to jump back into the conversation on Issue 1 with our guest this half hour, Ryan Norris. He's the he's the state director of Americans for Prosperity, Arkansas. Um, Ryan, look, I've watched the TV commercials on this thing, and they all say this is not a tax increase. Uh, now, the ad from your ballot committee that played during the break uh, branded it as a tax increase, um, mm-hmm. which, which is true. So if this is to expire in 2023, and on the effective date, the state sales tax would go from 6.5 to 6.0, if nothing were being done, then that means that a new tax would have to be put in place. A new agreement would have to, to be made and to increase it to the 6.5. So 
2023, it's supposed to be 6.0. And this is actually a new tax. Again, they said this was temporary. The temporary means it has an end point. So even though the amount of uh, 0.5% is the same, to continue paying it is a new agreement with the people of Arkansas, a new, a new deal. Right. And um, so that's what that's what our point is. In fact, Max Brantley of the Arkansas Times holds that that point of view as well, as does many on the left. I guess a broken clock is right uh, twice a day. Um, <laughs> with with uh, alluding to your comment about Max, there. Um, yeah. You know, I, and look, I make this. I make a similar point. So. You know, look, if you took out a 10-year loan and you dutifully made payments uh, every month for for eight, eight years out of, that, out of that 10-year loan, and then the, the finance company called and said they decided to extend your payments indefinitely for the rest of your life, uh, but don't worry, your payment will not go up. Um, mm-hmm. w- you would, you would, would you just view that as an extension of your loan, or would you view that as an increase <laughs> in, your, in your payment? Yeah, of in- course. increase in your payment. Yeah, of course you would. Um, another thing this ad that played during the break pointed out, and I love that it pointed this out, and this is an argument that really doesn't get talked about that much, and that's that's how this tax would impact uh, poor people. Okay? Uh, a sales tax is really regressive. Um, mm-hmm. The left likes to say that uh, those of us on the right don't care about the poor. We know that's not true. Uh, everything that we do is aimed at increasing human flourishing. We want people to achieve and succeed and, and fulfill their God-given potential. Um but talk about uh, how this might impact poorer Arkansans. Yeah, so uh, when you look at the data just for Arkansas, the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy has a chart out there to where it shows that in Arkansas, sales taxes uh, impact the lowest 20% of uh, our, our uh, the income families by 8.9% of their family income. So for every you know every $100 they spend nearly $9 goes to just sales taxes then you look at the second lowest uh, incomes and it's 8.3 and then when you get to the third it's 7.1 and then as you go up of course it gets to be less and less but when you're saying that you're a family that's living at the poverty level or just above and your dollar that you spend is not able to buy as much goods or services that you're losing nearly $9 just on sales taxes. That right there goes to show you how serious we need to take uh, this high sales tax to that makes us second uh, in the nation on combined state and local sales taxes and try to drive that down. It'll allow for the purchase of more food, of more clothing, of more gasoline. Uh, some folks are saying this is only a small tax on, on each family. Well, if you do the dirty mathematics, it's $300 million divided by 3 million Arkansans is roughly $100 per person per year. So a family of four, that's roughly $400. And you got to remember, this is coming at the point of sale. That means that this is passed through the, you know, the freight companies pass their cost through to the to the wholesalers, to the yeah, retailers, absolutely. and that comes down that you're going to pay for that three hundred million is coming from the people that that uh, the the people that are paying the most, um, you know, your everyday Arkansans. They're the ones holding the bag because those that are doing the most damage to the roads are paying the least. And those that are going to benefit the most from these infrastructure projects are paying the least. Yeah, look, and I had this conversation with somebody uh, not too terribly long ago. I was talking to a retired doctor, and he said, he said, ah, look, it's just, it's just a half a cent. 
I don't, if I get if I get better roads out of it, I don't care. And I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, of course you're a retired doctor, but what about mm-hmm. the single mom trying to raise two kids in rural Faulkner County that's working a minimum wage job? You know that right. that you know it's it sort of it, it, listening thinking about his comments in retrospect. It sort of he sort of sounded like a jerk to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to I want to ask you something else. Um, so you're heading up the coalition to uh, oppose issue one. Um, you mentioned that uh, there are some people on the left that have that have pointed out opposition to this as well. You've sort of assembled kind of a motley crew uh, of a coalition, um, people with really diverse and, and divergent points of view that are opposed to this. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that. Uh, so, you know, even today, uh, I, or I think it happened last night, the Young Democrats of Arkansas came out opposing issue one. And this is a group, you know, we're not officially working with them. This is their point of view, but we welcome them come alongside us in our efforts of educating the, the, the voters. But, uh, yes, there's a diverse group of people uh, or of organizations that are engaged in this. Uh, we're working with the Public Policy Panel, Citizens First Congress, with uh, the Sierra Club, with Audubon, with um, – the Arkansas community organizations with the Tea Party groups of uh, Northeast Arkansas, Central Arkansas, uh, the Liberty Coalition. Uh, we uh, have Central Arkansas Reentry Coalition, who does a lot of work in in the area of poverty uh, and and, and uh, community development. So people from across the, the spectrum ha- are all in agreement about this shouldn't be in the Constitution, that our taxes are too high in regards specifically to uh, sales taxes. And then they also have other, other issues. Some are worried about the climate impact of roads. Some are worried about the, un- the in- how unaccountable uh, the Arkansas Department of Transportation is. Uh, some of those are, are concerned about how uh, you know, their government has turned a blind eye to their concerns regarding, say, like the I-31 widening and such. So there's a very diverse group of folks involved in this. They've all been great partners to work with on this issue. They've they've brought resources to the table. Yeah. Uh, they've been very helpful. Very impressive. Uh, we've got about 90 seconds left, Ryan. Um, besides issue one, um, what are what is something else that Americans for Prosperity is working on? I know um, I've gotten some emails from the group about the Supreme Court confirmation. How's that going? Yes, yes. Yes, that's going great, actually. We have made over 300,000 phone calls as an organization, wow. nearly 3 million, 3 million texts, uh, really pushing for, uh, for uh, Judge Barrett to become Supreme Court Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, that's been taking up our time. We're also in five battleground areas for the uh, U.S. Senate. So uh, I did uh, about 700 doors in North Carolina a week or so back uh, for Tom Tillis, and uh, we're really trying to help our policy partners hold the uh, the Senate this go-around. So lots of work being done on multiple levels at state and federal level, and then, uh, of course, the top-tier priority is to get uh, get uh, uh, Amy Barrett in as the Supreme Court Justice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned that North Carolina Senate race. That one, I was watching some polls. That one's getting really close. I think voters are probably reacting to some of the scandalous news about the uh, the Democrat candidate mm-hmm. over there. Um, if you haven't heard about that, you might Google what's going on in the North Carolina Senate race. It sounds pretty crazy. Um, have just a couple seconds here. Um, if folks want to get involved with Americans for Prosperity, maybe they want to volunteer, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, so just uh, email to info, A-R-I-N-F-O-A-R, at org, or you can call me at 501-515-2195, and we can get you plugged in. 
Well, Ryan, thank you for joining us and talking about Issue 1. You know, I used to be the uh, State Director of Americans for Prosperity Arkansas once upon a time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Ryan, uh, I can vouch for the organization. It does great work. Um, Very proud uh, of the work that I did there and glad uh, that you're on board against Issue 1. We're going to take a time out, and then uh, we'll be talking to Congressman French Hill on the other side. Arkansas. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Thank you for joining us on your ride into work or from your home this morning as you're getting ready to head out the door. Um, this segment, we I am very pleased to be joined by Congressman French Hill. He represents Arkansas's 2nd Congressional District. And in case you've been living under a rock or don't have a TV for the last uh, couple of months, uh, you may know that notice that he is locked in uh, a uh, contested re-election fight for the U.S. House against uh, State Senator Joyce Elliott. She's endorsed by all the usual suspects, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Barack Obama. And uh, we're uh, very pleased to be joined by Congressman Hill this morning. Good morning, Congressman. Good morning, David. Great to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. Uh, how goes the campaign trail this morning? Man, it was great. Yesterday we were in Saline County. and We got the endorsement of every elected official in the uh, Saline County, and uh, we're proud to do that. I've enjoyed working so much with my local officials. You'll enjoy that in your service in the House. There's nothing more rewarding than working with county judges, your fellow legislators at the state level, and our quorum courts and our city councils. It's really a pleasure. We've done a lot of great work together, and so I was pleased to get that endorsement from all the elected officials over in Saline County. Well, you've done a great job as congressman representing our values and beliefs, uh, and I, in my opinion, um, you deserve uh, another term in the U.S. House. I want to talk to you a little bit about the campaign. So in your debate with Joyce Elliott, she said something that literally made my jaw drop, and in politics, we're, we're not supposed to use the L word. We try to be polite, uh, the L word being lie. Uh, it's not really considered proper. A lot of times we say mistruth or um, misled. Falsehood. But yes, yes, that kind of thing. But Joyce, Joyce Elliott, expert. yeah, Joyce Elliott, so she claimed that your vote for the 2017 Trump tax cut was, quote, and I'm reading this directly from her statement, quote, a permanent tax increase for the middle class. Uh, I'm not going to be polite, Congressman. Either she has no idea what the 27 tax cuts did or she's lying about them. Can you clear this up? Well, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act cut taxes for everyone in America at all levels of income. And the majority of middle-class families saw more money in their pockets every month and a simpler tax code. In other words, the average Arkansas family got $2,000 more 
in take-home pay that they could keep and spend the way they want to. And they had a simpler tax reform because nine out of ten Arkansas families could just take the standard deduction and file the simpler tax form. This bill eliminated loopholes. This bill cut the corporate tax, a bipartisan goal, by the way, David, for over 30 years. Yes. To make America's corporate tax rate competitive with the world and stop double taxing American income earned abroad. These were goals that Bill Bradley, the famous NBA player, Democratic senator from New Jersey, advocated in the late 80s and all of the 90s. So we got a lot done, and it led to the fastest economic growth we've had in over well over a decade and the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. Yeah. Look, anybody that pays taxes uh, knows that your taxes went down as a result of uh, this bill that you voted for. Uh, maybe Joyce Elliott has an issue with that because um, she's had a little bit of issue paying taxes. Um, for those who saw that that uh, Democrat Gazette story by Frank Lockwood a couple of days ago. Um, I want to ask you this, Congressman. So the polls are all over the place. Um, you know, I don't I don't know what's going to happen on Election Day uh, nationwide. But if uh, if we end up, uh, I hope seriously hope this doesn't happen, but if we were to end up with President Biden, if the Democrats were to take control of the Senate and Nancy Pelosi were to remain Speaker of the House, God forbid, um, what sorts of policies do you think are at the top of their wish list if they had control, uh, unified control of government? And uh, what would those policies mean for uh, folks here in Arkansas? Well, first of all, Joe Biden has been transparent. Joe Biden has said the first thing he's going to do is to abolish the Donald Trump tax cuts we just talked about. He's proposed a $4 trillion tax increase on the American economy as we're trying to recover and come out of this global pandemic. It's the craziest economic policy I've ever heard. And so Americans are going to go in there and they're going to vote for higher income taxes. They're going to vote for higher taxes on their business income. They're going to vote for higher taxes on any asset that they sell. And Joe Biden's got more ideas, thanks to Elizabeth Warren, who's fully endorsed my opponent, uh, who not only won't pay her own taxes, as we read in the Democrat Gazette, but also raises taxes on the poorest citizens of Arkansas, something she takes uh, and makes no apology for. So, number one, they're going to raise taxes. Number two, Nancy Pelosi's top issue when she's been in her speakership the last two years, was it fixing the failings of Obamacare? No. No. Was it lowering taxes and regulation for the American people? No. Certainly not. Her number one objective, H.R. 1 was to have a federal takeover of elections. She wants taxpayers to pay for tax for elections of congressmen and senator. She wants 16-year-olds to vote. She wants same-day registration, same-day voting. She wants all mail-in voting. She wants no voter verification, no voter ID laws in any of the states. That's her top priority. And then you add into Bernie Sanders, who now runs the policy operation for Joe Biden. He wants the Green New Deal. And I had to laugh during the Biden-Trump debate, which was ridiculous, Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way. But I think a lot of Biden folks goes, share that view. I'm not for the Green New Deal. I'm not for the Green New Deal. Then he explained the Green New Deal. I mean, this guy... Uh, that will raise everybody's energy prices at work, 
at home, in your vehicle, and make America uncompetitive. We have the best record on lowering uh, carbon emissions in the world, better than Europe, better than anywhere else. We're working towards a greener future uh, for the world, but the Green New Deal would set us backwards, not future. Yeah, if you want the government telling you how many times you can flush your toilet per day or which hours of the day you can uh, run your air conditioner, then um, the Green New Deal is uh, right up your alley. Uh, and look, you know, you, you've got an eyewitness account out in California. Yes, the California is abandoning abandoning their base power. They're abandoning nuclear power for base power, and they're abandoning uh, either coal or natural gas for base power. They're actually decommissioning natural gas power generations. You can't run an economy the size of California on solar and wind. Not possible. And that's why you're having these major blackouts and brownouts in California, because they've lost control of their power grid. Yeah, um, energy matters. Uh, it really does. You know, uh, I want to shift gears just a, just a little bit. Um, one thing I really respect about you, Congressman Hill, is your willingness to speak out against wasteful spending. I think um, spending is sort of the drug of choice for a lot of people in Washington. And um, many people are not aware of this, but you have a you have a parody award that you give out every month. It's called the Golden Fleece Award. Um, who's who's the unlucky unlucky winner this month? <laughs> I love giving out my golden fleece. When I was in my 20s, about 26 or so, I worked for the Senate Banking Committee in Washington, D.C., and one of the senators on that committee, very powerful guy at the time, was Bill Proxmire, Democrat of Wisconsin. And he used to roast federal officials for wasting money. Democrats don't do that anymore, but we appreciate Bill Proxmire when he did. And so he had the Golden Fleece Award. So when I got elected to the House, I... I reinitiated the Golden Fleece, and this month I've given it to the Department of Commerce because they are hurting American business. You know, I don't support the across-the-board Section 232 steel and aluminum tariffs. I think that was bad economic policy. But we have it, and so you can apply for an exclusion. And I have uh, constituents right here in central Arkansas that have applied for exclusions to those tariffs. In other words, they don't have to pay those tariffs. Right. And the, the GAO says the Department of Commerce denied 19,000 American businesses exclusion requests due to errors, but they won't tell them what they are and they won't meet any timeliness guidelines. So you got one bad policy compounded by a bad implementation. So the folks down at the Department of Commerce were the big golden fleece winner for this month. Okay. Um well, look, I appreciate um, you're bringing attention to that. I think it's very important. Another thing that a lot of people are concerned about, you know, the pandemic continues to go on. Um, and you've been working hard uh, during coronavirus to provide the American people who've been impacted by the economic calamity that has accompanied coronavirus. Um, what's the update on what's happening related to COVID relief in Washington? Well, for months, uh, Republicans in the House and Senate had tried to get targeted relief through the Senate uh, and through the House. Uh, And the Senate has filibustered that, blocked by Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi controls the House. And we have not been successful. We want to extend the Paycheck Protection Program for our restaurants and our small businesses that are still hurting and let them have a second 
chance at a paycheck protection loan. Back in May, those saved 51 million jobs. We still have money we've appropriated, but not spent, because Nancy Pelosi let that program expire the first week in August. Second, we want our governors to be able to spend the money that we gave them in the CARES Act. Part of Governor Hutchison got $1.25 billion in Arkansas. We want him to be able to spend that more flexibly, like for broadband, for our schools, and for our teachers and families. And we want him to be able to spend it past uh, December 31st of this year. That takes an act of Congress to do that. Uh, We want to fix the unemployment compensation fiasco, where people don't know what they could uh, receive if they're still unemployed and how long that will work. And we don't want it to be a disincentive for going back to work. So that's uh, three key things that we really need to do, and those have been held up while Nancy Pelosi asks that New York and California get their property tax deductions back for their big, rich states up in the East and West Coast, and some of these voting things that she wants that don't even have anything to do with the pandemic. Well, I certainly appreciate your work on that. Um, You know, working with Nancy Pelosi, I have to imagine, um, gives you a headache. Uh, or trying to work with her um i want to i got time for one last question we've got about a minute for you to respond here um you know you're a pro-life congressman uh most people know republicans are pro-life uh democrats aren't but in this race i feel like voters need to know just how radical joyce elliott is on this issue last year the arkansas senate approved a bill almost unanimously okay the vote was 29 to 2 to ban the abortions of babies that have been determined to have down syndrome now uh, I've known several people with Down syndrome in college. I worked at a summer camp for adults with Down syndrome. Uh, they are some of the sweetest, most loving people you will ever encounter in your life. Uh, Joyce Elliott was one of only two senators to vote against that bill. Um, why do you think that is, Congressman? She wants no restrictions on abortion. She doesn't see abortion as anything different than a man having a vasectomy. She doesn't see any reason for it. She doesn't acknowledge that life begins at conception, that that's a human being uh, growing in that womb uh, that was known uh, by God before even formed. And she just doesn't acknowledge that. And it's the callous attitude towards innocent life that we have from Joyce Elliott. I have an A rating with the National Right to Life. She has an F and yep. it's uh, well deserved. And we just we want to have a culture of life in this country. We also want to promote adoption. We want to promote families. And I'm like you, David. I have wonderful, enriched life for my friends like Kelly, who has Down syndrome, who calls to check on me and see how I'm doing. I'm blessed to have beautiful Down syndrome uh, adults and kids in my life. Amen. So it it was heartbreaking that she cast that vote. Absolutely. Well, Congressman Hill, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck in your reelection. Folks, if you haven't voted, go vote. And we've got a commercial break, and we'll be back. Welcome back, Central Arkansas. You're listening to The Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. I'm your fill-in host for the day, David Ray, um, filling in for Dave Ellswick. We've got a couple of minutes here, so um, if you want to call in and join the show, the call-in number is 501-823-0965. That number again, 501-823-0965. Uh, we just wrapped up a great interview. I thought it was great anyway. I was the one ask, asking the question, so I guess I can have that opinion. With uh, Congressman French Hill, uh, covered a lot of topics there related to the campaign. He's locked in against ultra-liberal state senator Joyce Elliott. Um, you know, we talked about taxes and uh, his vote for the 2017 Trump tax cuts. Joyce Elliott is incredibly trying to claim 
that that vote was a tax increase on the middle class. Um, I, I don't know any way other, uh, to characterize that other than a lie. Um, if you if you pay taxes, you know that income taxes have gone down as a result of uh, that that bill that Congressman Hill voted for, and um, that's good. They need to go down. We know working families need that relief. Uh, we also talked to uh, AFP Americans for Prosperity State Director Ryan Norris about issue one. That's going to be on your ballot. That's the permanent half cent sales tax. Uh, that was passed back in 2012, put in our state constitution. It was supposed to sunset after 10 years. Here we are eight years into the deal, and uh, politicians are trying to change uh, the deal with voters. Um, so they're going back and asking to make that permanent. If uh, if you want a permanent tax in your state constitution, then, you know, go ahead and vote for issue one. If you don't, if, uh, if, you, if you think we ought to uh, use existing resources to fund our roads rather than raising taxes – um, vote against issue one. So, um, you know, the voters will have a say on that and, um, we'll, uh, we'll move forward from there. Um, you know, I've seen this uh, promoted a couple times, so I want to mention it, you know, obviously the presidential, the, the final presidential debate between president Donald Trump and vice president, former vice president Joe Biden is going to be tomorrow night. Uh, that debate is going to be carried right here on 101.1 FM, the answer. Um, you know, if you don't want to watch it on one of the cable news outlets and, uh, you know, listen to the annoying commentators, you can listen right here on the radio and, um, you can join us on 101.1 FM, the answer, uh, by the way, if you've missed any of Dave Ellswick's show today or really any day, you can always listen to the podcast of the Dave Ellswick show at 101.1 FM, the answer.com. You just go to the more tab click on the Dave Ellswick show and click on podcast and then uh, also like Dave's Facebook page because that's where uh, you know they stream they live stream this show every day and um, so I, I did this when the when the show started I introduced myself real quick for the audience uh, for those who weren't listening at 6 a.m when we got on the air very early um, my name's David Ray I'm filling in for the Dave Ellswick or filling in for Dave Ellswick on his show um, I'm actually a candidate for state representative in District 40, which is northern Pulaski County, southern Faulkner County. If you live in the city of Mayflower, if you live in uh, northern Pulaski County, if you live around Lake Conway, um, I'll be your state representative starting in January. Um, would love to hear what's on the voters' minds uh, in District 40 and throughout central Arkansas. If you want to um, contact me, my email address is david at rayforarkansas.com. You can find my website at uh, ray4arkansas.com, F-O-R, not the number, ray4arkansas.com. Ray is spelled R-A-Y. You can find me there. And um, I'd love to hear what, what's on your mind. You can find me on Facebook. I'm, at, I'm on Twitter at, at David A. Ray. Um, I fire off a few thoughts there every now and again, um, mostly snarky, sometimes uh, informative, but uh, hopefully uh, somewhat entertaining. Um, in the next half hour, when we come back from commercial break, we're going to be talking to State Representative Austin McCullum. He is from Bentonville. Um, and you might ask why I'm interviewing a state representative from Bentonville on a Central Arkansas show. That's because he is the majority leader in the Arkansas House of Representatives. He's going to talk with us about um, the uh, his, his new role as majority leader, what he hopes to accomplish. We're going to talk to him about his Arkansas First Agenda uh, that he's rolled out uh, for the Republican caucus and 
We're going to talk to him also about some of the legislative races going on around the state. If you're watching election results come in, what are some of the bellwether races? What do you need to be watching? Um, so we're going to have a great conversation with him. Um, I just really appreciate y'all listening this morning to the Dave Ellswick Show. Um, we're going to take a commercial break here in a moment. Um, the call-in number, if you want to be a part of the show, is 501-823-0965. I'm going to be with us for the next half hour uh, interviewing Austin McCollum. And then after that interview, uh, the third hour of the Dave Ellswick Show is going to be the, uh, I think they call them the car and truck doctors, going to be talking to them. And they're going to have the show. And uh, if you have any questions about car or trucks, you'll want to listen to that hour. But we'll take a commercial break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back, Central Arkansas, to the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. I'm your guest host, David Ray, filling in for an Arkansas talk legend, Dave Ellswick. Um, we are, uh, we're going to be joined this half hour by uh, State Representative Austin McCollum. He's the majority leader in the Arkansas House of Representatives. Uh, Representative McCollum, good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning, David. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, when Dave asked me to fill in, I told him I uh, I wouldn't. He gave me the keys to the Corvette. I told him I wouldn't wreck it. And um, I gave him. Mm, well, you're going to wreck it now. I, I gave you. I know, right? I gave you the uh, call-in number. And I guess I was typing with my thumbs or whatever, but I sent you the wrong call-in number. And you actually called right. some poor guy and woke him up, I'm afraid, this morning. Yeah, so, I called but, old Jimmy from from jonesboro i don't know who it is but he got a call from me this morning <laughs> i'll uh, i'll take the l on that one that's my that's my fault um but thank you for joining us anyway um austin tell us um what what area of the state do you represent so very northwest corner bentonville st rogers bella vista uh the north part of my district is the missouri line so about as northwest as you can go and for folks who are wondering, you know, why am I having a state representative from Bentonville on a central Central Arkansas talk show? Um, that's because you're the majority leader of the Arkansas House of Representatives. Tell us uh, what you hope to accomplish. You were you're newly elected as majority leader. There's 76 Republicans, I think, in the uh, legislature. Um, I'll be joining you in January. Tell us what you hope to ac- accomplish as majority leader. Yeah, and we're we're excited that you're joining us. David, I'm, I know I am, and a lot of other people are, but no, I mean, in terms of what we'd like to accomplish as a majority caucus in the House, I mean, in its most simplistic way, we just want to think about policy within the RPA platform that either remains unfinished or a work in progress and develop on that. I mean, where we are right now, we're living in truly unprecedented times after 200 years of Democrat rule in this state, we've only just begun to dig out of this, I'd call it a mess that we inherited from them. Um, there's no doubt we've we've made progress towards pulling our state into prosperity with tax cuts, you know, licensing reform, welfare reform. Uh, and then we get hit with this global pandemic. Yeah. We've never seen anything like it. And then, you know, the response to it as well as put us in a tough spot. But I'll have to say dependency is back on the rise. Of course, unemployment has soared, you know, schools even being shut down for a bit, businesses either being at a certain capacity or shut down. I mean, we're, we're trying to act responsibly, but at the same time, our very way of life is being turned upside down. And 
I feel as though, and I know many of our colleagues, your future colleagues, feel like if we don't lead boldly in January, our entire landscape of our state can be changed for a generation. And so, you know, who knows what the virus is going to look like or what the the rates are going to look like at that point. But what I know is we'll be in session and we have a big opportunity to impact policy to put Arkansas first and Really, I mean, what we're, what we're, David, what, when we've talked this before, we're just talking about a plan specifically that puts Arkansas and Arkansans in front of anyone else, you know, any of the other special interests that exist out there. And uh, I mean, we can we can talk it as much as you'd like. Well, I think that's what that's the kind of, I, look. I think that's what the voters want is uh, a plan that 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 follows through on the on the policies of the Republican Party. Um, on the things found in our platform, you mentioned um, the Arkansas First Agenda. This is something that you've been rolling out. Uh, that the caucus has been rolling out. Um, folks can find it on the Facebook on the Facebook page, Arkansas Republican House Caucus. Tell us a little bit about the Arkansas First Agenda. Yeah. So the idea is we have, you know, as you pointed out, seventy six members who are working on forming some some type of agenda that says, hey, we're your voice in Little Rock. We're ready to meet these t- challenges head on, and we're going to set a steady course for prosperity for all of Arkansas families. And so when we think about putting Arkansas first, the first thing that comes to mind is just putting families first. We're only as strong as our families, you know, our communities across the state. And so we're going to fight for laws in January that protect our families. We're talking about everything from, you know, reducing the cost of childcare so that parents can go to work and climb out of poverty. We're talking about fighting for every foster child to have access to a safe and secure home. Um, statewide, learn from anywhere. I mean, we, we're already seeing it. So, you know, we want to, whatever you thought about when you thought about school choice, let's just throw that out the window. Let's get any type of connotation that you have when you thought of school. We just need to rethink what that looks like. And finally, something that I think is really important is protecting students from this insurmountable amount of college debt. And you can do that in a conservative way through education. You might not be able to go backwards, but you can go forwards and let students know really what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. So really what I'm, yeah. Well, and putting families first, I think that's, I'm glad that that is at the top of the agenda because, you know, we are, this state, um, you know, our families are what make us strong. Um, well, part of the plan is uh, you have a point in here called securing the Arkansas safety net. What does that mean? Yeah. So, you know, we're proud that we have a safety net in Arkansas and that, uh <laughs> that the taxpayers provide uh we just we're, we're just saying that is that is there for the truly needy we believe and I, I i know our our your future colleagues believe that we have a duty to protect that safety net from basically this ongoing assault by people who either don't live in our state or those that are taking advantage really of the generosity of the taxpayers um so in terms of what that can actually mean we have you know, a, a list of policy ideas and, you know, at this point, just drafts, but they're all around 
strengthening and preserving our welfare safety net for those that truly need it. Yeah. You know, the, this pandemic has put a lot of people out of work, the economic calamity that surrounded it. And there's a lot of people that need, um, you know, unemployment assistance, for example. And we're seeing a, and, and we're seeing a nationwide effort of people um, to try and and fraudulently claim unemployment benefits in addition to the people who genuinely do need assistance. I I talk to somebody almost every day in my role in the lieutenant governor's office. They call and they say, hey, um, I got this notice that I'd filed for benefits. I've not filed for benefits. What do I do? You know, that is a fraud. Right. That, is an, that is a fraudulent attempt. And in order to protect benefits for people who are truly needy, we have to root out fraud, don't we? That's exactly right. And there's a there's a number of ways that you can do that. And uh, the conversations, and I know DHS is, is taking that very seriously. Um, I mean, both from a fraudulent standpoint to just setting di- different types of tests and eligibility tests. Um, and really, you're talking about more frequently looking at the eligibility roles to redetermine who should be on there. Um, and there's there's a list of of ideas of how to do that that uh, a lot of your future colleagues are looking into right now. Um, I, you know, we can depends on how much time you have. We could talk about the status quo of our of our work requirement in in uh, in uh, the Medicaid program, but uh, you know, we need to be thoughtful about either reapplying or re- re- reinstating for that work requirement for these able bodied adults status quo is you know yeah the judge is look if you can work. Out the arkansas's historic work requirement and uh we need to make some recommendations of what to do about that yeah look if you can work you should um and uh, i think most arkansans agree with that concept what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and uh, when we come back we're going to be rejoined by state representative majority lead republican majority leader austin mccollum and we're going to take a look at some of the legislative races around the state what what folks can expect on election night uh we're going to take a commercial break you're listening to the dave ellswick show and welcome back to the dave ellswick show you're listening to 101.1 fm the answer i'm your guest host david ray filling in for dave ellswick and uh, our guest the, for the remain, remainder of this half hour is State Representative Austin McCollum. He is also the majority leader, the Republican majority leader in the Arkansas State House of Representatives. And Austin, I want to um, I want to get to the election coming up because um, that all, always uh, will have an impact on how large the Republican majority is. Um, at this stage in the game, Republicans, I believe, have seventy six seats. Is that correct? That's right. Are we, are we going to gain? Are we going to gain seats or lose seats, or how do you see this playing out? I see us actually gaining some seats across the state, both in northwest Arkansas and even in south Arkansas. I expect some gains. Um, for purposes of of your listeners, I am paying the most attention to some close races in the Little Rock area, West Little Rock, North Little Rock, you know, we've got 40-something contested races in the state, but in, in your area, in French Hills Congressional District, we're seeing some tight races. And those are the ones that uh, I think probably – so let's just start over in, in West Little Rock. Yeah. 
Republican Jim Servillo. Are you familiar with him? Yes, I know Jim. That's West Little Rock. Well, what I like about him is he, unlike his opponent, is super interested in basically what we call renewing the American dream in Arkansas. So he's very serious about protecting your individual freedoms. His opponent is not. He's worked on and will continue to work on workforce training, thinking about expanding broadband in rural communities, you know, even further west in his district. I mean, our state's a very rural state, so there's always a lot of efforts there. And his opponent's just not interested in doing that. Yeah, so he's got a tight race. Um, what about north of the river? We've got a couple, there's a couple of races up there. Uh, tell us about those. North, so let's talk about maybe Sherwood area. Yep. Uh, Republican Carolyn Brown, she's got a pretty tight race. And she's she's really big on what we call restoring our way of life. So, you know, our way of life has been threatened by this coronavirus. And she has been laser focused on, number one, protecting our Kansans' health, but also how do we reopen safely and responsibly and that's what she's been working on. She's super serious about restoring and investing in law enforcement. Yes, absolutely. Her opponent's just not. And, you know, what she's saying is, I want to ensure safe neighborhoods in North Little Rock. And so we want to make sure we get her reelected. Yeah, and I've been out there knocking door, some doors for Carolyn. And, um, yeah, that could be a competitive race. Uh, but like you said, she is, uh, you know, she's done good work for her constituents. And um, I think the voters are going to reelect her. Um, you know, yeah. just ne- next door to my district, and I live in the, on the north end of Maumelle. Uh, most of Maumelle is represented by Mark Lowry, rep- State Representative Mark Lowry, who's done a great job. I mean, he's been a strong voice for improving education in our state. How is Mark's race looking? Absolutely. His is, he's going to need everyone to turn out. I was actually um, on day one of early vote. I was actually in Maumelle at the community center with him, and the lines were so long. Oh, great. You know, we didn't have any official polling on that. You'd love to see the turnout, though. And, you know, Lowry was there. Representative Lowry was there near the, near the street, just greeting people. Um, so obviously very active with his constituents. And then North Little um, Rock, we've got uh, Carlton Wing over there. Yeah. Oh, just a great representative, great Republican. Really want him back. It's just, it's going to be a close race. So, you know, if you know anyone in that North Little Rock area. And he's got a little bit of Sherwood, too. That's right. That's right. So get the word out there. I mean, he's just the guy that continues to say, hey, I want to rebuild the greatest economy Arkansas has ever seen. Yeah, he's a hard worker, too. Really hard worker. He's been working hard. He's been focused on tax deregulation, fixing roads, infrastructure. I mean, he's an Arkansas first kind of guy. And, uh, you know, the stuff, I'll just say this, we need him back because his opponent's not interested in the same things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that kind of covers um, on the House side uh, Central Arkansas pretty well. You know, for folks who may not know what's going on in Northwest Arkansas, that's your backyard. Um, are there On election night, what are the, like, outside of Central Arkansas, what are one or two or maybe three races that you're going to be looking for to see what happens? So in the northwest corner, think Springdale, Arkansas. We've got a great energetic candidate, Jed Duggar. You might recognize that name. And he is running to unseat a sitting Democrat. And there's who's, just who's very liberal, better than way. turning the blue seat red. 
sorry, what was that? Yeah, who's very liberal, by the way. Yeah, there's uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, in Little Rock, you are what you vote. <laughs> so we see that with both her votes and what she has to say. And so, I mean, there couldn't be a clearer difference in the candidates there. Um, South Arkansas. I uh, spent some time there this last weekend with you. Yeah, we were both in Hamburg. That's right. And we're excited about uh, candidate Howard Beatty, who's running to, again, flip the old blue seat to a red seat. And uh, you've known him for a little bit now, haven't you? I have known Howard. And you know what? He's a very high-quality candidate. I mean, not only is he running a good race, he's just a good candidate. Howard is uh, very well respected in his community, which is he's in Ashley County. Uh, his district is Ashley County and Drew County. But, I mean, he's a serious businessman. He's been on the uh, – he has, he's helped through Economic Development Foundation down there. He's helped bring jobs to cross it uh, from Georgia. Um, so, you know, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah, no doubt. So those are, those are two races that, in terms of playing offense, that we've been really focused on. Okay, so um, we're hearing from uh, State Representative and House Majority Leader Austin McCollum. He's predicting that Republicans might actually pick up a couple of seats in the House of Representatives this November. That would be quite a feat, um, Austin, because we're already at at 76. Um, I mean, at some point, you you sort of reach the ceiling of what you can pick up because there are some Democrats in Arkansas and some Democrat-held areas. Um, Hey, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, Thank you for sharing uh, some of that Arkansas first vision, um, you know, I will say if you want to keep following um, what the Republican House Caucus is doing, follow us on Twitter. It's at AR House Caucus and um, Arkansas Republican House Caucus on Facebook. Uh, State Representative Austin McCollum, thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. Can't wait to serve with you. Absolutely. Same here. Um, folks, I want to say thank you so much for joining me um, here on the Dave Ellswick Show today. It's been a blast to fill in for Dave Ellswick uh, as your guest host. If you want to find out more about me, you can go to rayforarkansas.com and uh, find me on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, at David A. Ray. Um, boy, this has been a fun two hours. It's flown by fast. We've talked to Congressman French Hill. We've talked to uh, uh, Americans for Prosperity State Director Ryan Norris. We had a robust conversation about Issue 1. We covered um, all of the talk business and politics, Hendricks College polling numbers here on the state of Arkansas. I just want to take a moment to remind folks, early voting has already started in this state. So um, get out there and vote. I don't know uh, if you haven't voted yet. Don't know what you're waiting for. Um, you know, there may be a little bit of a line, but there's a lot at stake. So make sure that you get out and vote, um, you know, and bring somebody with you. It wouldn't hurt to bring somebody with you to the polls. Um, Thank you again for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The next hour is going to be the car and truck guys. They're going to be talking all things automotive with you. And uh, tomorrow, I believe, Dave will be back in studio. If you missed any part of the Dave Ellswick Show, catch the podcast at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Um, This is David Ray filling in for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time.
good afternoon. We're here at the radio station. It's me and uh, Joe today. Yep. Uh, Dave's off this afternoon, so uh, we got questions. Uh, people have sent in to us, and uh, if you got a question, just uh, email it in to Dave at Salem Medium Group, and uh, Heidi will get it to us, and we'll figure it all out and and give you an answer for it. So, Joe, how you been doing? Been doing all right. Just been uh, persevering and uh, hanging in there, doing the best we can, staying awful busy. Uh, yeah. You know, the normal stuff. Staying real busy. Yeah, it was a little bit of a, a slowdown, and I think that's due to uh, probably uh, election. Yeah. You know, it always happens, election year. Yeah, I went by the place in Benton where you can vote, early voting, and they was lined all the way around the building down the road. Yeah. I mean, it it was – Trace asked me, I'm going to go vote, and I said, yeah, but I'm going to wait a few days. Yeah. I'm gonna let, they said they voted over 4,200 yeah. uh, Monday. Yeah, so uh, I decided, nah. Man. I think the lines are long everywhere. So yeah. you know. I'll wait a few weeks and I'll wait a few days and yep. let them kind of get calmed down a little bit. Then I'll go vote. But uh, besides that, can't complain. Hard a new mechanic, even though I still need another truck mechanic. Yep. You know, I could stand one more without any trouble and probably could stand two more if truth was known. But, uh, you know. Fixing going to winter, it will slow down a little bit for winter. Oh, it always does. Yeah, you know, but uh, folks don't like to get out too much in really bad weather, raining and now you know, stuff my, like that. My car, my pickup side will slow down a little bit, but my truck side will pick back up. Yep, uh, it always does. Sometime right around November, it, mm-hmm. it'll take about uh, seven, eight, ten days slow down, but then all at once, it, somebody opens the door back up and releases everybody back to go to work again. But uh, you know, you're talking about that a little bit. You know, years past, and well, from uh, from the time I can remember, when you start going into the holidays, you have Thanksgiving and then Christmas, Christmas and New Year's, and yep. there's always been a lull there. Yep. And, you know, with the COVID and, and what's happening with all of that, I don't know if that's going to be less or more yet. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out, because, I, because we have a lot of folks now that, <laughs> that don't want to fly, that yes. would rather drive, so that we're going to stay... Are we going to get an increase in travel for the holidays? People getting their car serviced and ready? What do you think? I, I think that uh, – I don't think it's going to slow down this winter like it – you know, we normally yeah. – it don't never slow completely down, but it, it'll back off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be running wide open this year because uh, you've got so many people, like you say, that don't want to fly no more because the airlines have got so you know strict about it. Yeah. I picked Blake and Emily up at the airport last night. And I had sat outside in the truck. Yeah, it's you it's, know. it's it's the you know the the rules and regs you got to go through, and plus you know being around that many people in a plane and yep, it's uh it's going to change things a little bit, and I think it already has. That's why we've been so busy this summer. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how it works out. I mean, you know, hindsight's <laughs> twenty twenty, but you know, uh, well, you know, everybody I've talked to, like Gary Henry and. Uh, all them, you know, everybody in our group. I've, you know, I've They're talked busy. to them pretty regular. Yeah. I, I talked to Red yesterday, and mm-hmm. he's busy, you know. And uh, and there again, he's in the same boat we're in. He needs, you know, he needs somebody to work, and you know, and it's it. If you got a good employee, you better hang on to him, regardless. As you know, I, they're hard to find. That's a fact. You know, it, the biggest thing is somebody just to show up to work every day, and <laughs> you know. Uh, I haven't I haven't uh, had anybody miss a day during the whole COVID uh, since the pandemic started. I haven't had anybody miss no. a day, and I haven't had anybody that's uh, 
been sick with it. No, me neither. I feel really blessed about that. Yeah, and Ashley, she checks everybody every morning. She goes around with a thermometer, checks everybody, and Mm -hmm. puts it on a computer, and she'll ask Mm -hmm. them, have you been around anybody that's been coughing, sneezing, or, you know, running a temperature, and she puts it on a computer. It's more for my safety than than anything else, you know. You have a controlled record, so if somebody does get sick, you say, well, we stopped it on this day. He wasn't in the building. Yep. He had no contact with any of the other employees. You know, because, like I told my guys, I said, y'all be mindful who y'all get around because if you come here and give it to the whole shop, I said, you're looking at two weeks, we're going to be shut down, and two weeks without work, yeah, it's going to hurt. I mean, you know. Well, you know, and and it affects other families. Yeah, you know, I've got nine other people that it's going to affect besides me and Teresa, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, uh, you know, I got to tell them, you know, be mindful who you go around, you know, you know. At least watch what you're doing, you know, being around people. And so and most of my guys, they're, they're pretty good about it, you know. And like I say, uh, I hadn't had nobody come down with it. I ain't had nobody even with the sniffles, you know, uh, no more than a, than than sinus problems, you know. But uh, it's we're going to get through it. Eventually we'll get through it and this stuff will get over with and we'll get a vaccine for it and yeah, we'll, we'll make on. it then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's what I told Teresa when it all started, you know. Um, I had a couple of people come to me and state, hey, you cannot you cannot close up because you're our provider for our essential. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, so because I work on fire departments, I work on the city stuff, I work on the city of Little Rock fire trucks. And so, sure, you know, they come to me and say, look, you, you cannot close because you have to be here. And so uh, can't complain. It's It's been all right. I mean could be better and it has been worse so you know well we're just gonna just go with the flow that's all we can do yeah and you know hope for the best and hope that everybody stays well and and everybody around us stays well you know because you just think about it you know we're all around one another eventually so you know and i've had a couple of customers ask me about you know we always have the car show and you know in the spring and I always have a uh gathering for all my you know customers and I've had a couple ask me, "We're going to do it this year," and I said, "Well, I, I don't. I doubt it because it's too much trouble. It's too much worrisome that I'm going to have to worry about everybody being here and getting somebody getting sick." And wouldn't worry about like like we do a Christmas party at my shop too. You know that? Yeah. Wouldn't worry about my guys and their families. Yeah. Would be all the other folks, the customers that you'd invite. Exactly. And and I don't want my guys exposed to that. So yeah, I, and that's what I told my guys. I said if. One customer comes in and he's got it because you know and we mm-hmm. all get it. You know, yeah. there again here we are shut down for two weeks again, and you know I, I don't know that it would happen, but I would rather be safe than sorry. I just don't want to expose nobody to it. Yeah. That's that's my deal. I don't want to expose nobody. So we got a couple questions, Joe. If you want to read one of them here, sure. Uh, then we'll see if we can't figure out what's going on with him. Let's see what Anthony's got on this Buick. He's got a, a 90, 1990 Buick Sabre. Uh, it's got a 3.8 liter. One of the best motors Buick ever built. Ever made. Uh, can I switch a power window motor regulator that doesn't work from another door that's not used much and still works? I uh, yeah. can't buy parts at any price <clears throat> now and was wondering if I could swap out the motor and the regulator on the power window panel from another door that does work, put it in the driver's side window and panel. Uh, he, you can't do that. No. 
the left front, the left rear, the right front, and the right rear, all those regulators and motors are different. Are all different, yeah, because you don't have the same size one you do on the front as you do on the back, too. And it won't mount on there. The motor mounts one direction, so if you take it off and flip it around, it's not going to work on the other side. No. And, and I don't know where he's trying to buy those parts at, but I can tell you for a fact they're available through Bumper to Bumper. Yeah, yeah, Bumper to Bumper has them because... And, and when he buys that, he needs to buy the motor and regulator assembly. Together, yes. That way he has a warning on both because if he puts the motor in there and the regulator is just as old as the motor and it, it, two weeks later he has a regulator issue, he'll have to go back in there and do the same thing over again. And probably what's wrong with the regulator anyway. Most likely. The and it's not the motor up. Yep. You know, and, and you can buy them together about as cheap as you can buy one or the other. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I don't know where he's going, but that that's going to be readily available at, uh, like I said, bumper to bumper. They should have that yeah. easily. If they don't have it, they can get it overnight. I promise you. Yeah, and and they're pretty well well stocked items. I mean, that's yep. that ticker one. It's it's there. So, you know, um, it's just you know, go to the bumper to bumper, any bumper to bumper store, and they'll take care of you. If like Joe said, if they don't have it, they'll order it and have it in the next morning, and uh, you know. You can put it in. It is a little bit of a chore. About a, what do you say, about an hour? About an hour and a half. Something yeah, like that. somewhere along there. time you get it on, get it adjusted, and make sure the window goes all the way up and all the way down. It, yep, you got to spend an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And if it was done at one of our shops, you'd probably be looking, I don't remember what the price of one of them are. I think the motor and regulator assembly is about a hundred and a quarter, a hundred and a half. He spent yeah. about $300. Yeah, three, three to $400 taxing yeah. everything. And, and that may be a better option for him because some of them aren't easy to do. No. You them know? on them motor Chevrolet trucks, if you ain't careful, they'll cut your fingers off. And you have to be careful on that one there because of the age of this vehicle, the door panel, the clips and everything, trying to get that thing to pop off, you may break those clips. And if you don't have, you yes. know, you, you could break other pieces of plastic because the older a car gets, everything's made out of plastic. The plastic is brittle. So we know that when we get one that old, we need to be a little tender, loving care, popping yeah. everything loose. So Make we don't sure you break stick anything. Tool else. in there to pop yeah. them out, and because some of them door covers is expensive. I understand, but if it, it, it's hard to explain to the folks that are least listening out there that those plastic things that hold the door panel on go into little slots on the back of that door panel and that door panel is made out of plastic yes so if you put the wrong tool in there and don't get it supported on both sides use screwdriver and pop it out you may be breaking the plastic not pulling the clips out of the door and yeah you get the door door cover off of it and look and there's all the clips still in the hole yeah i mean <laughs> and it's, it's 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 tough to fix when you have that issue you know and, and that's like i had a customer brought she bought this pontiac firebird brand new got fifty thousand miles on it both window motors are stuck in it mm-hmm. i slapped on the door and slapped on the door finally got the right one to free up and go ahead and work mm-hmm. she said well can you go ahead and put two window regulators motor in it i said no ma'am i said this needs to go to the body shop because those are paper yeah and i said if i start and it's, it's all original i mean it mm-hmm. looks it's been garage kept mm-hmm. she only drove it on a sunshiny day and yeah. um and I told her, I said, I really don't want to mess with it. So I sent her over to the body shop, and it's a good thing because one of the panels, when he went to mess with us, fell all to pieces. Yeah. I, I, you know, deterioration is a problem on those older cars like that, but, you know, you just kind of got to deal with it. And sometimes uh, passing on a job is the right thing to do yeah. because the guy at the body shop, they probably end up having to find a door panel or send it, it to a, send it to a 
upholstery shop and have that one repaired and fixed and made. Yeah, and that he he found one somewhere and got it in, and it it was rough looking, and so he finally wound up taking it out to the upholstery shop mm-hmm. and. And they made it look good again because I seen it when they got through with it, and it looked good. But, you know, I told him, I told the lady, I said, look, I just, and she's wanting to sell it on top of that. Yeah. You know, and I just didn't want to take a chance of. Sure. Of messing up a three or $400 panel for two motors when you don't make nothing off of them to start with. Yeah, and so, exactly. You know, and but uh, it looked good when they got through with it. And, in, in, you know, like I told her, I said. Usually you can slap the door when they've set so long they'll stick, and you can slap on it a little bit and it'll go back to working, but that didn't do too good working. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be back here in a few minutes. Thank you. All right. This, good morning. We're back. Uh, excuse me. Good afternoon. We're back here at the radio station. Dave's off today. you got uh, Joe from Joe's Garage here. Joe, give me your phone number. Area code, uh, area code 501-753-4685. And I'm Ducks from Ducks Garage. And if you got any truck questions or anything or truck problems, call me at 501-778-2886 and speak to Russell or to Blake or to Ashley, and we'll get you took care of. Uh, you know, like Joe said earlier, we're all running a little bit behind, but we'll get you in, get you straightened out, and get you ready to go. Yep. So, Joe, we got a question. Kerry's got a 99 Ford Explorer. So it's got a loud knocking noise from the engine. My Explorer has 134,000 miles on it. It has always run great until a couple of months ago when it started running a bit rough at idle. Last week, I ran off the road and ended up in a snowy ditch. It had to be towed out ever since then. It's been running really rough, and the engine vibrates bad, and there's a loud knocking noise coming from the from it. Oil pressure is fine. There's no check engine light on. Help. Boy, that's a tough one there when you run off the road. Yep. You know, the noise, I, I'm not too sure what his noise was, you know. Um, I mean, well, it, but but if you run off in the ditch, there's some things that can get bent under there that can make noise. You could have bent yep. the, uh, the flywheel cover plate and rubbing it, possible. There's uh, some exhaust things that could be bent up, causing it to make noise. Bump on the floorboard. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it could have hit hard enough that it bent one of the pipes and the converters rattling. Yep. So it... it I don't know that you could actually sit here and, and, and tell a guy what it is without hearing it and listening to it, you know? Yeah. It, you know, when I first started reading, it said a loud knocking noise coming from the engine. First thing I it's a six cylinder four liter. Yeah. You know, timing chain. That's there what you're going to say. No tourists about the yeah. back timing chain slapping mm-hmm. and rattling in them. And, you know, uh, but then you read on down there and it said, you know, this kind of all started after running off in a ditch. So, yeah. And he says it's running really rough. So, you know, uh, if if it did bend the pipes or something and the converters stuck together, yeah, and 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 busted it and turned yeah. sideways, it may may be restricting uh, the exhaust on it. So yeah, because it said the oil pressure is fine, but you know that don't mean nothing on the timing chain's knocking because oil nope. pressure will be fine. But, you know, mm-hmm. the first thing I'd want to do is be put it up on a rack and walk up underneath it and look yeah, at it, see if what all is damaged under yep. there. Just see how much stuff is bent because, like you say, he could have bent the exhaust up against the yeah the the could, you know, floorboard it, it could have the lower course port bent up the fan rather yep you know it could be anything you yeah. know uh you know best thing to do is take it to one of the bumper bumper certified center you don't say where he's from and just tell him hey can you put this on a rack and just walk up under it and look at it and and explain to the guy that i run off in a ditch and that, you know everybody thinks that well he run off in snow it shouldn't have been anything but <laughs> snow packs hard as concrete 
I'm telling you. I mean, and, you know. I think he's from up north, though, because we ain't had no snow yet. No. Uh, but, you know, the first thing I'd want to do is put it up on the rack and look at it and oh, yeah, just walk inspection. under it and, yeah. and see if you can see anything. If you don't see nothing, then then you can go back and say, okay, now let's start looking at something else. So, you know, but uh, if you are in Arkansas around one of the certified centers, just call us and uh, come by and we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do this one here, Duck, and, and you'll like this one right here, okay? Sheila's got a 2013 Chevrolet Express 2500 with an 8-cylinder 6.0 liter. And it says, what is the timing belt? When should I change my timing belt on my car, and how how do I replace the timing belt? Don't got one. That's correct. She don't have to worry about that, does she? No. No, it, <laughs> it's got a chain, but it also has a tensioner in it. Yeah. Uh, I've seen them with three and 400,000 miles, and the chain yeah. still not be loose. It's a fact. But, yes, she don't, you don't have a timing chain. You don't have to worry about that. Just change your oil. You know, when it gets around 100,000 miles, go ahead and give it a tune-up. Uh, you know, it. what year model was that thing, Joe? 90, excuse a, me, 2013. So it ain't got no fuel filter or nothing on it to no. change. But, you you know, keep air filter in it. Keep cabin air filter in it. Yep. Change it. Uh, just service it and take care of it, and you won't have no problem out of it. It'll run for a long time. Yes, it will. But if it ever starts missing, stop and get it fixed because them six liters are worlds worse about start missing it. It'll stop the Cadillac converters up. Yep. They, that 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 too much fuel going down in there messes up the yep the converters itself. It'll melt them down, and it doesn't take that long. Uh, but as far as chain goes, like Doug said, uh, we don't replace them unless there's an issue with it. So unless you pull it up and it says cam and crank sensor is out of sync, yeah, I got a correlation issue. That means your chain stretch. Yep. They usually still won't make any noise, but no. the electronics today are so helpful in diagnosing a stretch timing chain because yep. it's monitoring. It's got a cam sensor and a crank sensor, and it's looking at both of them, and it knows when it's out of out of time. Sync. Yep, and and so because a lot of these engines have. Uh, uh, cam phasers on them where they advance and retard the cam yep. timing even on the v8s yes and and they're monitoring that all the time so if there's an issue there it's gonna it's gonna set a code for it and you'll be able to diagnose it and pretty and it, easy it makes it a lot easier than you used to yes pretty easy with a computer but you got to have a computer to do it because you got to know what you're looking at too joe and not yeah. just having a computer but you still got to know okay i know that i've got a can a crank in, in a cam correlation code some one of them is not working in the right spot, so and either the chain is stretched too far and it can't stay up with it, or you know, or you got a cam phaser to stick it and not, yep. not hanging up, or you know, yep. something of that nature. But um, you know, there was a time if you thought you had a uh, what you would call slow valve timing because the timing chain had stretched. The test for that was you would get it pull all the slack out of one side and then you get down there and manually turn that motor back the other direction and see how much play there was in that chain. how many degrees you was yeah. you was you was, you was it losing was a, it there. was a hard thing to do because it was manually plus you're 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 not per- precise unless you put uh you know some kind of uh depth gauge in the piston hole and yep. on the rocker arm to watch to, it to watch it you know like you were going to dial in a camshaft and set the, the the cam timing so you know that's like uh when the uh, international first come out with a DT, how you timed it was it didn't have no timing marks on it. You had a, a wooden dial you dropped down through the injector hole and it was marked mm-hmm. top dead center and you roll it up until you get it top dead center and then put all the gears on it. 
real smart. Yeah. It was close. It wasn't exact. No. But back them days, as long as you got within four or five degrees, you was good enough. Yeah. You you was fine. Nowadays, if if it ain't within one half of the degrees, oh yeah, it starts throwing fits and starts looking at it. So you know, it's it's kind of stuff we have to look at every day, and and people don't realize how much the problem stuff is nowadays. Well, you know, you take a four cylinder engine that runs like a V eight now because it's got variable valve timing on it. And it's got compression ratio that's way up. It's uh, uh, direct injected. I mean, they've done a lot of things to improve performance on a on an engine. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon. We're back here at the radio station. Uh, we've just you know discussing me and Joe about the you know the car before it, and uh, uh, I got a customer that's got a little Kia car. She's out of Louisiana. Come up here for the hurricane. It melted a hole in the piston, melted the side out of it, and I'm still trying to get Kia to repair it, Joe. And as I know, and you know, that they've had this problem all along about it melting the side out of the piston, and and it's all programming is where the problem is. And so, you know, I ain't through arguing with Kia yet. They ain't beat me yet. Well, they got a recall out on those motors, and uh, I, I don't know why you're having so much trouble other than that possibly that uh, the owner just needs to call Kia or call the ntsb and get somebody involved there because that car is still under factory warranty for the mileage and it's a common engine failure for that particular size motor in that year model and they have a, a recall on it that's correct you know and that's what i told the guys look i know there's a recall well no it's not a recall because it's already been reflashed i said but it still burnt the side out of the piston that's correct you know it did not get hot because, you know, when it got hot enough, mm-hmm. it melted the side of the piston. You can't stand to smell it. Mm-hmm. This has not been hot. It has no water in the in the oil. You know, and so that's why I told him. I said, you know. So I called my customer. She's in back home in Louisiana. And I said, look, you need to call Kia. And I gave her the 800 number. Mm-hmm. Here's a VIN number. I sent her a picture of the VIN number. And so I'm not through with them yet. They ain't beat me yet. <laughs> okay. You know, well, uh, that, that's bad when you got to argue and fuss and fight because a recall is a recall. Yeah. And uh, like you say, I, I didn't think about calling the National Transit Safety Board. Yeah. But I'll I'll find that number and call, give that to her, too. Or mm-hmm. either I'll call and, yeah. you know, and uh, somebody somebody's going to fix it for her. I just don't know who yet. Well, most likely it'd be Kia. Yes. And but like I told you, Joe, earlier, I called old Kia and they got like 20 something sitting over with the same problem. Oh, yeah. And. Right now, there ain't no motors out. Yeah, well, they're they're you know they're they're trying to they're trying to catch up. Eventually, they will, and I think most of those folks got cars sitting over there, got them in something to drive. But yeah, I'm sure they the get point them is that you know if you have that many and they're backlogged, and they can find a little bit of a sticky point on anything, they're going to try and say, well, well, that's not covered. But mm-hmm. eventually, I think if you press them, they'll fix it. Well, that's that's what I told her. I said. You know, she was on the way up here to a sister up in Missouri from the hurricane. The hurricane was coming in, so she started up here, and she was running down the interstate when this all happened. And they say that's when most of them happen, running down the interstate around 70 mile an hour, that it melts a hole in the piston. But, you know, it's a crying shame the car got 73,000 miles on it. Yeah. And you can tell it's been well took care of as far as maintenance and stuff because the motor's cleaned the pin inside. But... Then I'm not through with them yet. There, I'm still waiting on them. I got plenty of time. That's what she told me. I done bought me another car, so we got plenty of time. 
so joe if you want to read one of these questions we got today and we'll sure see if we can't help somebody out we're going to talk about uh this one right here duck it's a uh it's a 1999 gmc sierra 1500 with a v8 5.3 liter it's got a loss of power when he when he turns the vehicle on it shakes and does not want to drive more than about 35 mile an hour he can shut it off and restart it and the vehicle and it normalize after a while and is drivable for some time and you know that's kind of a vague question but but it kind of reminds me of a couple of things one the year model yep it's 99 model and the fact that it doesn't run good when he first starts it cold and we're going to lead into what we think's wrong with this because it's going to give you a little story on it. Yep. When you first start a, a fuel-injected engine cold, it has to run the richest it can run. Yep, wide open. That's right. And if you have a little bit of a weak fuel pump, when it's calling for that fuel and it can't supply it pressure-wise or volume-wise, that engine's going to run rough because it's trying to put fuel. It needs fuel to run when it's cold, and you're not getting it there. So it's going to run rough and not run good. But if you drive it for a little bit and then shut it off and then restart it and it runs better, the engine temp is warming up, so it's going to need less fuel, and you yeah. have a weak fuel pump, so it's catching up, isn't it, Doug? Yes, and, and it's just like one with a choke on a, on a carburetor, Joe. Yep. The choke stays on till it gets warm, then the choke backs off, and then it, it burns less gas. And mm-hmm. um, and, and, like, and you hit something when you was talking about the fuel pump. You said, mm-hmm. you know, it's got to have the pressure, but it's also got to have the volume. Yep. If it don't have enough volume, it's just as bad as not having enough pressure. And, you know, and, and I preach to people all the time about do not run this car when it gets down to empty. Yeah. Because the fuel pump is cooled, as you know. By the fuel. By the fuel. The fuel is what keeps the pump cool. And I've always wondered how we can put 12 volts for the electric motor down in the fuel tank <laughs> and it not blow up. But we've been doing it for what now since 80. Five, Seven? six, somewhere along in there. 86, 80, 87 is the uh, first Chevrolet throttle body injected. Yeah, I think I think Ford come out in 80. 86. Yeah, that's what I was One thinking. One year before. But, uh, you know, he, but you can take a computer and and look at it through the scope, and you can look at it and see the wave pattern, and you yep. can see how much amps it's drawing. Yep. And if it's drawing a tremendous lot of amps, hey, it needs a pump in it. Well, that, and, you know, if you've got a real choppy waveform, you know. Yep. The, the only other thing I could tell him, this is a 99 model. It still has a fuel, fuel filter. filter in line. Yep. He probably needs to check that. And a lot of people don't think they have them anymore, but they still do. Uh, that truck right there has got one, and it's located on the left frame rail about where the driver sets at underneath yep. it. About right in the middle of the driver's door is where it's at. Yep. And, it, you know, it takes a couple of wrenches to get it off, plus the clamp to pull it off the frame rail. But... That's where I would start. Yep, take that pump off, and you can't see in it. Generally, what you do is you take it off, and you'll turn it up where the inlet side of the fuel will run out on your hand. And shake it. And shake it and see how much debris comes out of there. And it's probably going to be black. Yeah, and if it is, put a new pump on it. And then if you if that helps your problem, you know you're on the right track. But the age of that truck and the symptoms seem to me like he's probably end up putting fuel pump in it. Yeah, and you know, and if if we could talk to him and ask him, has it ever had a fuel pump, and Would how help? many and how many miles it's got on it, yeah. uh, you know? But uh, lay odds, it's probably going to be fuel pushing problem because I've got them in there, Joe, before, and the the, the temperature sending unit will be shorted out, and you look on a computer and it's thinking it's forty below zero. 
Yeah. And it pours fuel through it because it thinks I'm cold. Yep. And I've seen that in the middle of summertime. You know, well, temperature gauge ain't been working in a while. Okay, this is some of your problems. So, you know, and just uh, if you're out and about and you buy one of the service centers and you want to have them to check it, just, you know, come by there and somebody give you a check and we'll go from there and see what it looks like. Well, you know? absolutely, you know. Uh, diagnosing one, you know, the thing, the way to check that is, is like Doug said, you can grab that fuel pump and see what the waveform looks like. And then... Uh, <clears throat> Put a fuel pressure gauge on it, see what it's actually got. Yes, and and make sure that you got everything going back there to it. Uh, and and if 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 all that passes, then you're going to be looking at other data on that. You know. Yeah. So, but, but you're probably most likely going to find it when you put a fuel pressure gauge on it and start looking at stuff. You'll you'll find a problem. Yeah, I think so too. We got one here on a uh, 2011 Nissan Frontier Pro X four by four. It's a six-cylinder, 4.0 liter. I have a rough shifting going on. I'm experiencing a rough shift in my Frontier. It does not happen all the time. It seems to happen when I'm getting up around 3,000 RPMs, then it shifts. It does kind of jerk. I am just trying to figure out what it is. U-joints, differential transmission. Well, I don't think it's a U-joint. You generally get a vibration on that, don't you? And the differential, I don't think that's it. I think it's in the transmission. Now, yeah. if we if we had a little bit of more information here, it would help, like the mileage and some stuff like that. And but, if a check engine light's on. Correct. You know, uh, there again, this situation needs to be scanned, Joe. Absolutely. You need to put the scanner on it, look at it. Yeah. Go drive it down the road, see if you can. I had a guy was in there yesterday. It's got a Ford. It's got a little roar noise in it. And he tried to explain. I said, come on, let's go for a ride. He said, well, here, you drive. I said, no, you drive. I'll I'll listen. You know how customer knows how to make it make the noise. So we took Uh off down the road, started hearing this little roar. I said, ease it to the left real slow. He eased to the left. I said, all right, now straighten it back up. I said, now ease it to the right. As soon as he eased it to the right, the roar noise went away. Mm -hmm. I said, need the left front wheel bearing. Yeah. He said, you mean to tell me by me wiggling on the steering wheel, you can tell? I said, yep. I said that is how you figure out what's going on with it. So put a wheel bearing in it, send him on his way. Yep. And I actually told him truck had a little over hundred thousand miles. I said, do you want to put one in it, or you want me to go ahead and put both of them in it while you're here? He said, no, let's let's replace both of them. They're the same age. That's it. You know. And he said that way I don't have to come back and bother you next week. Well, they're both born on the same day. Truck yep. was built on the same day, so and they're, they're both, both got the same amount of miles. That's and, right. You know, we he wanted to look at it, so I took and knocked it apart. And it was just dry grease. How many of those have you had that were really, really bad noisy? And you'd replace one of them, and you would take the noise from unbearable, and the customer would say, well, I still got a little whining noise. And that noise, the loud noise, was masking the other one that's starting to fail. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, I explained to him. He said, no, let's just go ahead and put both of them in it. Because I explained to him, you still could have the right one still be making a little bit of noise. You can't hear it. Yeah, and when you turn the steering wheel one way or the other, what you're doing, you're loading that side bearing because you're putting all the load on mm-hmm. that side. And that's why when you turn it to the right, we always say it's the left wheel bearing because you're actually loading the left wheel and you're taking the pressure off the right wheel. So, yep. you know, and he said, now let's, let's put both of them in it. We'll be through with this. Yep, that's the way to do it. And, and we did, and sent him on his way, and he was just tickled to death and, you know, but uh, he's one of the customers I've had for years. So, you know, he he said, no, nah, I'll take your word. Let's go ahead and do both of them. 
So, yeah. Joe, if you're picking us another question, we'll talk about another one. Well, I, I'm going to follow up on this one with this Nissan with that transmission just a minute. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back, Joe. Good afternoon. We're back here at the radio station. You got me and Joe here. Uh, Joe, give me your phone number at the shop again. 501-753-4685. And mine is 501-778-2886. Talk to Russell or Ashley, either one, or Blake, and they'll get you took care of. If you got problems, we work on diesel pickups to 18-wheelers. About anything in between. i got a tractor in there right now and they're putting a clutch in. It's one of my good customers, and you know how that goes, Joe. No, absolutely. you got to take care of you your know. guys, that's for sure. So, uh, Joe, let's, let's talk a little more about this. Uh, Nissan Rogue? Yeah, this little Nissan Rogue. The transmission Rogue. shift? Yeah. So when, we're, we're wanting a little bit more information. Number one, does it have a check engine light on? Because it could have a code in there for like a mass airflow sensor. And you know what one hair do on a mass airflow sensor? Even if it's dirty, it changes the, the load on the engine. And, and, you know, engine performance is based off transmission performance. Transmission performance based off engine performance. Exactly. So you could get a rough shift or a late shift out of a transmission if the engine wasn't performing properly. So we would like to know, does it have a light on? And, of course, second question be, what code's in there? Because yes. he could have a code in there that he doesn't think is going to affect the way the transmission shifts, but it possibly could, right? Exactly. And and like you said, the the TCM and, and, the, and the ECM, they look at one another, and if the engine don't can't build enough power to make it shift when it's supposed to, it's going to lag the shifting, and it's going to have to get built up even more, and then it's going to hurt and jerk. So, yeah, it, you know, if if you can, you know, send us something back and, Staten doesn't have a check engine light on, you know, what code's in it, or either come by one of us and let us, one of us just go for a ride with you. You know, we've seen we've seen them before where, let's just say the exhaust was partially restricted. Yep. Converter's bad and stopped up. Light acceleration, transmission, click them right off. Yeah. Hard acceleration. Don't shift. It won't shift to be real late, and when it does, it's going to jerk real hard. Yeah, it's going to slam in the gear. Be- because your throttle and your engine performance and your transmission are out of sync. Yeah, for what you're requesting, what you're getting, and for the shift point. Yeah, and and it's real bad out of sync because it it the ECM is trying to tell the TCM, hey, I'm ready to shift, and the TCM says, no, I'm not because you're not got enough power built up, not enough RPMs. Yeah, to make it shift, and so that's why uh, nowadays if I've had people come in and say, hey, I got transmission problems. No, you got engine running problems. You exactly. know, and they look at me like, no, I got transmission shifting problem. No, <laughs> no, you. You have an engine running problem, so let's check this and fix this first. And I've had them go to a transmission shop, and the transmission sent them to me and say, sure. hey, you need to go say, Duck, you got an engine yep. running problem. That's correct. And get them over and put a fuel filter in a diesel pickup. And you mm-hmm. know, and what I preach to people nowadays, Joe, is a fuel filter on a diesel truck is more important than an oil filter. Yep. I mean, because I've got one over right now. It's got 25 gallons of water in it. Boy, I'm telling you. And it's going to be somewhere around thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000. Kills them time injectors. I get, time I get through with it. Yeah. yeah. It'll do it. And the problem is Ford has no kits right now. Well, that's, you know, and I, I've often wondered about this. You know, you have manufacturers that make diesel trucks with water separators on them. Yes. And then you'll get water in your fuel eventually, and, it, and it's inevitable. I think most gasoline has a certain amount in it. With yep. the fuel that has ethanol in it, you don't see it as much. No. 
because it'll try and burn through that. It may yeah. give you a little bit of a rough run and then go away. But, Turk and jerk fish for a few but, seconds. But on your diesels, that, that's going in there. But you would think that the water separator would do its job and keep all the water out of the fuel but and not damage those injectors. The problem is, Joe, uh, they're so small now. The water separators on these trucks are so small. Mm-hmm. They they get overfilled with water because people don't change them quick enough. Yeah, and starts starts running water through it. It starts bypassing through the filter, running it on through. And when it runs it on through, you know what it does. It it, it busts up. the panels up on the end of them. Yeah, it, you know it, it galls them because water diesel fuel lubricates the injector. Water don't lubricate it. Well, it's the high pressures too, Doug. Yeah, you're running thirty thirty one to forty thousand pounds of fuel pressure. Man, you know. And they plainly tell you, do not put your fingers around it when it's you know yeah. if it's foreign. Because yeah. I have hung it up on the up on the line, mm-hmm. look at it to see if, if one was sticking. Yeah, to see if one's sticking, to see if it's dribbling down. You know, when you cut the key off, uh, you know. But I tell people all the time, look, change your fuel filter. Dodge has got one filter cost me ninety three dollars, and right now you get it at one place, Dodge. Well, you know if the the. The, I guess fuel filters, the technology in them is a lot better than it used to be. A whole lot better. You know, but you you would still think if you had a manufacturer build a truck with a water separator on it while it was under warranty, it got water in there and damaged injectors, they'd be under warranty because it's their water separator. Yes. But they won't, will nope. they? Nope. It's fuel nope. contamination and they're not covering it under warranty. This truck that's got the tank of water, and I understand why Ford won't warranty it because it was at a Ford store. And they sent it, uh, the customer sent it to me because they was at $18,000 to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, call your insurance company. That's what you I got a do. tank of water. That's it. So he called his insurance company. So I've, Russell's been talking back and forth with the insurance guy. And the guy said, hey, can you go ahead and fix it? And Russell said, yeah, I got a kit coming in. Or, you know, When it gets here. <laughs> well, I actually buy my kits through Bosch. Bosch makes all that for Ford. So you got one ordered? I've got it. It come in yesterday. Good deal. But, uh, you know, it. Ford said, can you, I mean, the insurance guy said, can you save me a sample out of the tank and a sample out of one of the rails? No problem. And save me one of the rails. And I said, no, you can't have one of the rails unless you want to pay core on it. Core on it's $300. Mm-hmm. He said, well, call me when you get it off. I'll come take pictures. That's what he needs. <laughs> he said, yeah. I don't, $300, I don't really need it for that price. Yeah. And so, but I'll save him a sample. And mm-hmm. uh, come to find out, this guy, he was the number seven that morning and got water in the fuel. Yeah, just from a... From a fuel stop. Yeah, got yeah. it from a, and come to find out the guy had a hole in the tank and yeah. got water in it. So, mm-hmm. but the guy said, hey, my insurance will take care of it, you know. Yeah. But his insurance is going to pay and then they'll, you know, they'll how the insurance do. Yeah. yeah. They'll haggle it out and one another pay one another and it'll be all right. But, uh, but the problem is he's been out of his truck now for two weeks waiting on parts to come in. Mm. And it's, it's a, and it's a 35 hour job to fix it. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a full four days without any trouble. Yep. Because the tank's got to come off to be clean. All the lines have got to come off to be clean. The whole top of the engine's got to come off. Yeah. Everything on top has to come off of it. And so when that happened, well, you know what Ford did? They blackballed it. They blacklisted on the thing. So it, you know, don't have no warranty nowhere else anyway. Yeah. Even though it's a, it's an 18 model with uh, 78 or 80,000 yeah. miles on and, and contamination just killed the warning yep. on the rest of the motor. Killed the warning on the rest of the motor. So, yeah. you know, and that's what I, I explained to the customer. And I said, you know, look, you've lost your warranty over this, so make sure you get confiscated. So the insurance guy said, hey, I'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. 
But, you know, but Ford told him it'd be January the 18th before mm-hmm. they can get any parts fixed. Well, some of the parts are getting tough, getting in high demand, and, and they're not making them fast enough. But. No, we're so far behind because, you know, a lot of the manufacturing got shut down when all the pandemic hit. So mm-hmm. they're they're behind now, you know, and yeah. uh, so. And everybody's know. driving more and demand's up. And, exactly. And, and they just don't have enough of them in stock. They're so. just not, you know, we're, you know, like you say, there's probably more miles being drove this year mm-hmm. than it has in the last 10 years. Oh, Absolutely. Know. So, uh, Joe, give me your name and everything and your phone number, and then we're going to check out of here just in a few minutes. Joe at Joe's Garage, Crystal Hill Road, North Little Rock. Phone number is 753-4685. We're a bumper-to-bumper certified service center, and Duck is too. And just remember that, uh, hey, we don't work on cars and trucks. We fix cars and trucks. Exactly. And I'm Duck's Garage from Duck's Garage down in Benton. My number is 501-778-2886. Talk to Russell, and we are a bumper-to-bumper certified center. Thank you, Joe, for coming in today. We'll see you next Wednesday afternoon. Yes, sir. Thank you.